Okay, so take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 2, and we'll read from uh, verse 1 through to verse 18. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed for Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. Amen. Well, this uh, this is our, our second week uh, looking at uh, the account of the wise men uh, who came to worship Jesus at his birth. It's, it's a mark of, I think, the, the humiliation which our Lord took up in his incarnation, uh, that that so little notice was taken of his arrival. Uh, Short of the shepherds uh, and the later arrival of the wise men, which we're just reading about, um, very little attention was paid to the coming into the world of the Messiah. 
And in one sense, you'd expect that if the Son of God was coming into the world, that he would have been accompanied by by much glory and ceremony and uh, and uh, and a great fanfare, something that would befit his his status and his person. But even the priests and the the scribes that we read about in this passage. Uh, the very ones we'd expect to be looking for his coming seem in some ways to be unprepared for his advent. They're not ready for him coming. At least they hadn't prepared their king. They hadn't said anything to Herod uh, about what was going on. And yet these men, these wise men from, uh, from other lands, had determined simply from seeing the star in the sky that this was the moment, this was the time. That king, that king Herod, uh, the man known as Herod the Great, although he sat on the, uh, he sat in the place of King David on the throne of Jerusalem and the throne of Israel, he was not of David's line, nor was he of Jewish descent. And his grasp, his hold on the throne of uh, of Israel, was so slender and uh, and and so minute that that his his desperate clawing actions to to maintain that power, to maintain his grip uh, on that power, are really clear for us to see uh, in the events that we've just read. There are three things I want to I want to think about this evening from this passage. Uh, we, we began last week by just talking about the, the coming of the wise men and particularly how they were representative of, uh, uh, of those coming to worship uh, Jesus. Um, so moving on a little bit and, and looking particularly from verse 2 to verse 8 uh, this evening, but also bearing in mind the, the rest of the context and the, the events that occurred after these events that we read about in the later verses um there are three matters first of all uh the wise question the wise question and that's that's the the matter that uh, the uh, the wise men bring in verse two where they say where is he who has been born king of the jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him so these travelers these these men uh whose names as we talked about last week are long lost in time to us are still renowned and still celebrated the world over wherever christians meet wherever uh, god's word is spoken wherever this story is recounted uh, and they are remembered and honored for their wisdom they're remembered aren't they as wise men they are wise men they are the wise men and the main reason for that fame is summed up in this in this in this one verse in verse two in their question and their intent. Their attention, first of all, was attracted um, in, in God's providential working. God attracted their attention, didn't He, um, by showing them a sign in the heavens that this uh, that there was to be born a king, uh, and they. In their mind, they put these things together uh, in the providence of God with his leading and his revelation uh, to come to the conclusion that what they saw was a sign of the coming of the birth of the Messiah. 
it's possible. Uh, and some have suggested that they, they knew of the prophecy of Balaam uh, in Numbers 24, where that unwilling prophet um, couldn't help but speak of God's God's words that uh, in his words a star should come out of Jacob and a scepter rise out of Israel. Now we don't know for certain how much um, Old Testament knowledge, how much prophetic knowledge these wise men had. We don't know how much they knew, how much they had read or how much they understood of the prophecies surrounding the coming of the Lord Jesus um, but we do know that that expectation, and I think we covered this a little bit last week, that expectation of um, a ruler from Israel, the expectation of the coming Messiah, the Redeemer, um, was went beyond Israel, went beyond Jerusalem uh, and into the world because primarily because of the, um, the, the dispersion of the Jews over many centuries taking with them their their prophets, their wisdom, their knowledge and understanding of these things. We can also say with some certainty that uh, however the, the first thoughts of Christ came into their minds, it can be traced back to God's revelation. And we attribute their wisdom to that revelation and to the wisdom that is from above. We can only hope and pray, can't we, um, that many would follow their example and being reminded of this this coming season, um, they would come with that same intent and that same desire as these men of wisdom to worship him. And though God gives in his grace, in his providence, he gives signs and evidences of Christ's coming uh, and his power uh, and his redeeming might not everyone either sees them or, or pays attention to them but only those that God reveals them to uh, and that's in his wisdom in his providence but these wise men they saw this star and it, 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 they received that wisdom they received that understanding from the Lord himself uh, they had a right understanding of it. And when they came to Jerusalem, they came with that question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. So that was their wise question. Secondly, verse three and the troubled reaction, the troubled reaction. For when Herod the king heard of these things, in verse 3, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And that should give us pause uh, to stop and think uh, and consider. It should trouble us, really, that Jerusalem was troubled by this word. In, the, in his epistle, James, um, maybe you remember this from when we looked at it uh, Last year, I think it was, we uh, we looked at this. Um, James describes wisdom from above. He describes it as pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. James 3 verse 17. 
And when we find that, when we hear the reaction, the, the troubled reaction of Herod and Jerusalem to the wise men's words, to their, uh, to their question and their, uh, their intent to find and worship um, the one who has been born king of the Jews, uh, we discover that another kind of wisdom sits on the throne of David, not wisdom from above. This is another kind of wisdom. Jerusalem is troubled. The king is troubled. Um, they fear the, 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 the inconveniences and the, the trouble uh, because of this new coming king. Instead of rejoicing in the hope of salvation that he brought with him. They didn't understand. They were more concerned about their temporal power. About the, the status quo. About what was going on in the world than what God was doing and this is what James warns about in his letter in that same chapter in James chapter 3 um, in verse 16 he warns about envy and self-seeking and confusion and every evil thing as the the other side of that that wisdom there's a there's a, this this passage in James where he talks about these two 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 um, opposing wisdoms the wisdom which is from above and the wisdom which is not from above so the wisdom from above is pure peaceable gentle willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits but that's not what we see from Herod and from Jerusalem what we see is the other side of that the the envy and the self-seeking the the confusion and the evil the evil works the evil things that those things are worked out in the in the reaction particularly of Herod, uh, that's why I read the, the passage to, to verse 18, to, so to rem I'm sure we know, we know this story very well, don't we? Um, but just to, to bring to our attention again uh, the actions, the wicked and terrible actions of this king as he, as he wanted to, to cling to power, he wanted to destroy any threat to his throne. There's confusion, there's confusion in the throne room. Herod doesn't seem prepared, although he does know enough uh, about the, the uh, presumably he knew a, a little about the Old Testament, even though he wasn't Jewish himself. Um, he would have been aware of, uh, of the religious practices, surely, of, of the people he ruled. Um, he knew enough to go to the Jewish advisers when, when he was faced with this question from the wise men. He went to the priests and the scribes to find where the Christ, the promised one, was to be born. Uh, of course, it doesn't become apparent till later, uh, but we know that Herod's helpfulness towards those wise men is really a ruse simply to flush out uh, what he sees as a threat uh, and a pretender to his crown. And he's an example, Herod's an example really of some of the things we were talking about on Sunday morning in church um, when we were, we were talking about worldly powers and having our, the, the dangers of having our eyes fixed and our hearts fixed uh, on worldly powers. When we were, we were dealing with um, Joseph uh, and saying how his... Um, uh, how it was a his his rise to power is really an anticlimax. It's not the the end purpose. It's not God's end purpose. It's just a a means that God used to get to his end purpose, which was the deliverance of his people. 
but we get confused when we read that passage and we think that that's that it's good what's happening to Joseph because he's he's rising to power but that's a worldly way of thinking about blessing it's a worldly way of thinking uh, about things coming good Um, God in his providence put Joseph in that position for a purpose but he also put him in prison for a purpose uh, and we need to, to remember not to see uh, uh, that chapter, I think it's chapter 41, uh, as the climax of Joseph's story, because it's not. Um, Joseph's eyes and God's eyes were on the deliverance of his people, not on the, the power and the authority of Joseph. But Herod, Herod's eyes were on his power um, and and what we what we read here is is the the consequences um of uh, of having uh having your heart fixed on on the power and honor of this world which is always and always will be an anticlimax a, a a poor relation when compared with the with the glory of Christ and that's what happened here the glory of the messiah the glory of Christ it it, it comes face to face with it uh, and he's jealous, he's envious, and so he wants to do away with with him. And when, when we compare the world, any worldly glory, whatever whatever it is, whether it's power and wealth, whether it's honor and glory, um, whatever it might be, when we compare that to the eternal glory of Christ and His sovereign reign, uh, there's just no comparison. It always leaves the world seeming and looking insufficient and unsettled and temporary and troubled because of its passing nature. That's the nature of these things. But when our eyes are fixed on God, when our eyes are fixed on him and his eternity and his glory, then it changes our perspective entirely on, on worldly things whatever might come be it be it glory and honor or be it pain uh, and suffering and persecution herod's envy and his desire to uh, to protect his own tenuous grip on power led him to order the 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 bloody and wicked atrocities we read in verses 16 to 18 of matthew 2 those uh, events which were prophesied by the prophet jeremiah uh, Believers need to be aware of these things. We need to keep in mind that the world has worldly power and worldly blessing on its mind. Herod laid his plans cunningly and cleverly. He acted in a friendly manner towards those who were seeking Jesus, but really had his own agenda. He gave them all the information they needed. He gave them what they were asking for. Uh, And in return, he asks them to come back once they've found him so that he too could go and worship him. He he concealed his uh, his his true intentions under a veneer of of religion. And And it's so true that the greatest wickedness often conceals itself under a mask of piety and religion. I'm convinced too that there's a lesson for us, uh, for the church today, in the blindness of the Jews concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus. Because it's not all—it's not always those who have the the greatest uh, or the most religious privileges who give Christ the most honour. 
the Lord in his providence could have called on anyone to come and bring honour to Jesus Christ. But the only human beings who are called in scripture, giving honour to him at his birth and soon afterwards, are the shepherds from the fields around Bethlehem and these wise men. The very ones that you'd expect to be waiting on the edge of their seats with with bated breath to see the revelation of God's promised Redeemer find themselves instead at odds with him and troubled by his coming. And that should trouble us too. In a way, we can kind of excuse Herod for being troubled. I don't think we can excuse his his behaviour and his... Uh, uh, and his well we definitely can't excuse his actions uh, following from it but in a way we can excuse him uh, for not understanding the importance and the, the the true nature of the coming messiah because he wasn't jewish he's an outsider he's an imposter sitting on the throne looking out for his own interests trying to shore up his own grip on power but when the redeemer came to his own they did not receive him. But as we read in John's Gospel and chapter 1, as many as do receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. These wise men were, were foreigners. They were outsiders. And yet they came to pay homage and honour to the Lord Jesus Christ. The shepherds received him gladly. The magi received him wisely. I only pray that more would receive him in the coming days. So we have the wise question and we have the troubling response. Thirdly, verses four to six, we have the revealed answer, the revealed answer. The wise men came searching for the one born king of the Jews. And it's not unreasonable that they came to Jerusalem, the seat of power in Israel. As I said earlier, they knew uh, what what they knew um, so far as what they knew was was by God's revelation. Everything they knew was by God's revelation. And the final piece they needed came from that same place. They knew there was a king, one born king of the Jews. They knew he deserved worship, which implies that they believed him to be divine, the divine son of God. But they didn't have everything they needed. They didn't know all the information. But the information they knew was part of God's revelation. Though it was revealed and recorded some 400 or more years earlier. The words of verse 6 are quoted by the priests and the scribes to Herod. uh, From the prophet Micah uh, and also from Samuel. Almost certainly they would have known these verses by memory. That was their job, to to know the scriptures. They would have known this from, from memory. Where is the Messiah to be born? The Messiah is to be born in Bethlehem in Judea. They wouldn't taken long they wouldn't have taken long, nor would they likely have been to have been of different opinions. There wouldn't likely to have been much of an argument between those scribes and priests um, as they decided what information to bring back to Herod. Uh, they would have agreed, all agree, that the Messiah must be born in Bethlehem, in the city of David, Bethlehem of Judea. 
um, and it's called so I'm sure you're aware because there are there are two uh, two towns two places called Bethlehem in the in the land one is in the in Judah one is in Zebulun so hence the the distinguishing nature we, we know from the prophecy uh, in Micah that it was definitely this Bethlehem in Judah or Judea as it was known uh, during Roman times because God's revelation to us is always perfect and he has he has spoken laying aside issues of translation and texture minor textual difficulties this is the, the the bible is god's word to man it is his revelation the revelation of his glory of his work of his person and if we want to know him if we want to come and worship him like those like those wise men like the magi did if we want to come and worship his son, the saviour, then there's nowhere else to go to. There's nowhere else we can find out about who he is. There's nowhere else we can come to him. But in the pages of scripture, because God has spoken in his grace and in his love, he has gloriously and wonderfully spoken. And there was where the wise men found the answer to their question now. Next week, God willing, we'll, uh, we'll finish this mini-series off uh, when we consider the, the final part of the passage where the wise men come to give honour and glory to the Lord Jesus Christ.